Well, hopefully you receive my words with meekness and gladness today. Hopefully they're not just my words. Hopefully Holy Spirit has, uh, has helped me come up with them and uh, they'll, be, they'll be his words to you. Um, just, just out of interest, shout after three the Bible that you're currently studying in the Bible. I'm sorry, the book you're currently studying in the Bible. One, two, three. Psalms. Chronicles. Whoa. I heard Mark and Psalms and Chronicles. Try again. Ready? One, two, three. Chronicles. Acts. Definitely Chronicles. I heard definitely that time. <clears throat> right. What is the best reason? I was journaling this morning. What do you think the best reason is for reading the Bible? What's the best reason? Finding Jesus. Yeah? Being grounded in his word. Being grounded word. I, I think the best reason, as, as well as those reasons, the best reason probably is because you love the author. Because you love the author, you want to read his book. You want to read every word. Jesus said, man should not live on bread alone or pizza or spaghetti or vegetables, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And you read every word. Chronicles, Psalms, Mark. I heard you read every word. John. Yeah, you, you, read, you read the Old... Even Leviticus. You even read Leviticus, the, maybe the less seemingly interesting books. You read every word because you love the author. That's the best reason to read the Bible. And so that's why we come to the word of God this morning as well, to read it together and hopefully hear from him afresh and a bit more, the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit. So, part three, his grace is sufficient. Now, let's remind ourselves of our key verse. So turn to 2 Corinthians 12. We're not going to read the whole bit of Paul's list of very exhausting weaknesses. Uh, It's not exhausting to read them, but it must have been exhausting for him even just to remember them and list them. Isabella. Isabella, can you catch? Well done, Granddad. Happy. There we go. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 and 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. What is it? A demon, a buffeting demon. Lord, please take this, take this troublemaking demon away from me. Everywhere I go, it causes me problems. But he said to me, verse 9, my, this is Jesus. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So let's continue our study of Jesus' grace being made or being sufficient for us and his power being made perfect in our weakness. As we looked at last week, Jesus' grace just wasn't for Paul or the apostles of the original 120. Jesus' grace is for every believer. And his power can be made perfect in our weakness too. So we'll continue our study. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Two Timothy chapter one verse six mentions power. Two Timothy one six says, For this reason I remind you 
This is Paul speaking, the very same Paul that wrote about the fall in his flesh and Jesus saying what he did. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What gift of God do you think Paul is referring to here? Is it the gift of Timothy being a pastor, teacher, evangelist that Timothy had? Do you think that's the gift that he was calling Timothy to fan into flame? Could be, couldn't it? Or is Paul talking about the gift being the Holy Spirit himself? At the beginning of Acts, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the gift that the Father is going to give you. Wait for the gift that the Father is going to give you, the Holy Spirit. And part of Paul's documented ministry in the Bible is him going round, him and other apostles going round and laying their hands on believers and then receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul laid his hands on Timothy and gave him the gift of God in him, was it the Holy Spirit or was it a ministry gift? We don't know. Okay? I'm guessing it means the Holy Spirit, particularly as what Paul is about to say, but it could be either. Okay? But for the purpose of what we're going to learn today, I don't think it matters too much. Although I would 90% err on the fact that he's probably talking about the Holy Spirit in Paul. But whether Paul is talking about a ministry gift or actually the Holy Spirit himself, Paul instructs Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God he has received. When you fan something into, the, into flame, what are you doing? Where's where's the flame, isn't it? You're increasing it in size, aren't you? Whether you're blowing on it, billowing in it, or kind of flapping flapping a piece of paper, whatever you're doing, you're increasing its power and size. How are you increasing its power and size? Well, actually, I should have Googled it to make sure I'm right. But basically, you're feeding it oxygen, aren't you? You're giving it air. Well, and precisely the oxygen in the air which creates more and more of a flame. Okay. There's something already there, Paul is saying, but it needs help to become bigger. Is that what he's saying? You've got it. You just need to help it get bigger, fan it into flame. If Paul is likening the gift of God within Timothy as a a flame that needs to be fanned or something that needs to be fanned into flame, and fanning a flame is literally giving it more oxygen, then what is the metaphorical metaphorical oxygen we need to add to the gift of God inside us? What is the metaphorical air or oxygen we need to add to the Holy Spirit inside us in order to increase? Faith. Ooh, what is faith? All right. I would say it's obedience, which, which faith is obedience, isn't it? It's actually acting on what God says, believing what God says and acting on what God says. Faith without works is dead. Okay? It's not just a case of believing, it's a case of acting out what God has said. Obedience. Another word would be 
yieldedness. So what could Timothy or us possibly add to the Holy Spirit that would increase his size and effect in us? Faith or obedience, yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. In Romans, Paul described this yielding to the gift of God as setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. And in Galatians, he calls it four things. He calls it walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, keeping, or sorry, living by the Spirit, or keeping in step with the Spirit. Four things, Paul calls it. I'll read those again, shall I? Walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, and keeping in step with the Spirit, all meaning the same thing. Obedience to the Holy Spirit, yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. And we know from or obedience, our obedience and yieldedness by the Holy or to the Holy Spirit is like oxygen to a flame. That's what Paul is saying. Give the Holy Spirit air. Give the Holy Spirit air and you will fan him into flame. Now we know from Scripture, and we read last week, that Paul himself had experienced the same thing of growing more and more in the power of God. Do you remember reading that Scripture last week? Paul grew more and more in power. So Paul has experienced himself fanning into flame the gift of God that was given to him by the laying on of hands. Who laid on hands to Paul? Do you remember? Ananias, yeah. Remember Saul? Had that Damascus Road experience, could not see. He was told, a man will come to you, Ananias, a disciple, not an apostle, just a disciple, and he will lay his hands on you. And he did, and he got baptised in the Holy Spirit, and they filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul knew what it meant to fan into flame this gift of God by obeying, and he grew in more power, grew and grew in power. Okay, Timothy, trust me. The gift of God grows more and more the more you yield. Let's read verse 6 again. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us did not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. This is perhaps another clue as to what the gift Paul is referring to. He just, he's just talking about the Holy Spirit now. So it probably means that the gift that is in Timothy that he needs to fan into flame is actually the Holy Spirit himself and not just ministry gifts of evangelism and preaching and teaching. Although we all have gifts from God. And at the end, if we have time, we'll give you an opportunity to come to the front. If you've never been laid on with hands to receive the gift of God whether that be Paul talking about the Holy Spirit or whether that be talking about a ministry gift, then you can have the opportunity later on for hands to be laid on you for the gift of God to be given you. However, verse 7 again, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Timothy had the gift, yes or no? Yeah? Paul wasn't saying you need a gift. You've got it. You just need to fan it into flame. But timidity or fear was holding him and the gift back, perhaps. Timidity can act like water on a flame. Have you experienced that? 
Yeah? Whereas pushing through timidity is like adding petrol to embers. You ever experienced that? Obeying the Holy Spirit, even though you are fearful and the results? In your experience, do your weaknesses, like Paul mentioned his weaknesses, do your weaknesses tend to decrease or increase your timidity? Do your weaknesses tend to increase or decrease your timidity? Increase. Frustrating, isn't it? All the hardships in life and the weaknesses we have inside and outside, they tend to increase our timidity. And what does timidity do when it comes to the gift of the Holy Spirit inside you? Quench. Rather than fan into flame. Rather than giving the Holy Spirit air, our timidity can be dampening. According to Jesus, how should we view our weaknesses or our timidities from his perspective? Well, according to him, they're opportunities for his power to be made perfect in our weakness. We've, is his grace sufficient? Yes. Do we have his grace? Yes. Do we have all that we need in, uh, to carry out all that he requires? Yes. What puts a dampener on? Our gift. Timidity and weaknesses if we let them. Okay. Our weaknesses can result in timidity, which is like water on a flame, or they can result in obedience. If you've got a weakness, you have the choice, don't you? It can result in obedience, which is like oxygen to a flame. Obedience is like oxygen to the Holy Spirit, giving him air in your life. This is, as Paul tells Timothy in his first letter, fighting the good fight of faith, laying hold of the eternal life that you've received. This is fighting the good fight of faith. When you see weaknesses, when you have timidity, and yet you push through, you obey the Holy Spirit, you walk by the Spirit, you are in step with the Holy Spirit, you, you set your mind on the things of the Spirit. When you do that, even through timidity, even through weaknesses, whether it's outside weaknesses, inside weaknesses, you're fanning into flame the gift of God within you. Isn't that good news? Yeah. Okay. Taking hold of the eternal life that you were called to, that is fighting the good fight of faith. I'm doing this. I'm taking hold of this. I'm obeying. I'm yielding. I'm not giving in to timidity. I'm not giving in to weakness. Actually, there are opportunity for God's power to be made perfect in them. The victory of being faithful to the Holy Spirit in the face of our weaknesses and the accompanying timidity that comes with it. It's a continuous battle, is it not? Yeah. But the promised fruit is heavenly. Fighting this good fight of faith. Verse 7. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. And according to Paul's seasoned device, if fanned into flame, the Holy Spirit in a Christian can provide in, with increasing measure three wonderful things. What are they? Power, yeah. Power love and self-discipline. The more air, the more oxygen you give the Holy Spirit through obedience and yieldedness, three wonderful things, according to Paul, will grow Increase, fan into flame in your life. Power, 
love and self-discipline. Like all the examples of power that we looked at last week, the word comes from the Greek word dunamis. So it's spelled dynamite, D-Y-N, dynamis. But it's pronounced dunamis. Okay? And it means two things. Strength and ability and also miracle working power. And last week we discussed how Jesus' power comes upon a Christian for two main reasons. Miracle working for the Great Commission, the miracle working power, but also strength and ability for transformation of character. Two things the Holy Spirit gives power for. Proclamation and transformation. That's what we looked at last week. Dunamis, dynamite power from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when you fan into flame the gift of God that is within you, and not give in to timidity, but give him air, yield to him, you can experience this power, this dynamite of transformation and for proclamation, and also love and self-discipline. Okay. God's inner witness to you and his external witness through you. When we fan into flame or give air or oxygen to the gift of God in us, our natural hesitancy, when not yielded to, gives way to Jesus' power, his love, and self-discipline being fanned into flame, getting bigger and bigger, meaning it's made perfect in our weakness. God's power, his love, his self-discipline being made perfect in your weakness when you yield, when you obey. It's in you. Fan him into flame. Because when I am weak and yet still choose to live by the Spirit, then I am strong. Just like Paul said last week, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I yield to the Holy Spirit, when I obey what God is saying. Strong in Jesus' love, his power, and his self-discipline. When I am weak, but choose to follow the Holy Spirit anyway, then I am strong in Jesus' power. Then I am strong in Jesus' love. Then I am strong in Jesus' self-discipline. That love means knowing God's love for me and also being able to love others, even my enemies. Okay, let's continue into verse 8. So, Timothy, or so, Christian, to whoever's reading this later on, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Oh boy. How I wish I could fully overcome my public shame about the testimony of Jesus. How often, with me, does timidity have the last say? Quite often. Quite often I give in to timidity. I see weaknesses within me and outside of me and I give in to timidity. And I choose not. I become shameful of the gospel, basically. Not all the time, but sometimes. How often has my weakness or the fear of experiencing more weakness been water on the flame of the Holy Spirit inside me? Especially when it comes to testifying about Jesus in public. But does it have to be? Does my timidity have to have the last say? Do I have the choice each time? Do I have the choice to give in to my timidity or to fight against it and fight the good fight of faith? 
Yeah. If I failed last time, does that mean I can have to keep failing? No. Okay. Halfway through verse 8. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Timothy, the Holy Spirit's love, or sorry, Holy Spirit's power, love, and self discipline is in you. You just need to fan into flame by stepping over that invisible line of timidity and public shame and join me. Where suffering for the gospel meets the power of God in you and through you. Timothy and all those who will read this letter afterwards, I know what it feels like to be made to look and feel weak. From the struggles of my own flesh to the, the, the relentless troubles stirred up by Satan wherever I go. And yet, what I have come to know is this. When I am at my weakest, but choose to obey Christ anyway, then I am strong. Strong in power. Strong in love. Strong in self-discipline. For his grace, by the Holy Spirit that is in me, is sufficient for any situation any temptation, any problem, any task, and anything the devil brings my way, I can choose to walk by the Spirit or by the flesh. And so I've actually come to see any weakness as a reason to strive all the more to walk by the Spirit and see his power being made perfect in my weakness. So, Timothy and Christian, join me in suffering for the gospel fanning into flame the gift of God in you and know the power of God for yourself. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Now not all of us are called like Paul and Timothy to be pastor evangelists. But like they and all other Christians we are called to follow Jesus by being obedient to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. To walk in step with the Spirit, to be living by the Spirit, to be guided by the Spirit. And when we do, despite all number of weaknesses, within and without, his all-sufficient grace and power can have a transformational effect even in the most frustrating of circumstances, if you yield to him, his power will be made perfect in your weakness. And when you are weak, he is strong. You are strong. Now, let's have a picture, please, Karen. To close, I want to share with you a couple of pictures I got on WhatsApp uh, this week. Now, this is, I don't know if Martin's behind the camera or whether that's Martin because I haven't met him, but this is picture from Martin Van Vuren, South African chap by origin, and a member of the congregation at Hope Church West Wickham. Now Martin, a, a few years ago, he wanted to do more. He had a real heart to go and preach the gospel um, to other countries, countries that, um, uh, well, third world countries mainly. And so a few years ago, he'd never been evangelist before then, but he thought, I really have a heart for this, and I think I could just go out there with one or two and just try preaching and set up a tent and preaching the gospel and see what happens. And he actually was amazed at what the power of God did 
when he preached the gospel, seeing people come to Jesus, repent from their sins and be saved, and also healings happening as well. And so this has been going on for a few years, and Julian from Hope Church, one of the leaders of Hope Church, Orpington, went out to Columbia with Martin in January this year. And <coughs> Julian came back amazed at what was happening, what he saw, people responding to the gospel. And again, God's power at work amidst, in their midst. And um, uh, Martin has just gone out to Kenya. He's there this week. And I saw a video of uh, 1,500, mainly young, young men, coming forward and responding to the altar call uh, <coughs> and responding to Jesus. <coughs> so they're in Kenya, and I think they're having a bit of a rest day. They've been on a safari day and a, a debrief, <coughs> and their, their four by four breaks down. And this is what Martin says. <coughs> Guys, you're not going to believe this. Car broke down halfway up a mountain in the middle of nowhere, driving back from our safari and debrief day. We're near Aiton, which is where international Olympian marathon athletes come to live and train in high altitudes. So the car's broken down. Now, here's the next picture. Thank you, Karen. Now, you can see up the top there. Can you see the, uh, the children? He says, you won't believe this part. A man stopped and gave us a 20-litre bottle to fill the car with water. We'd broken down right below a school. You can see children talking to us from top of the hill. Climbed up, met the teachers, and they gathered 100-plus children. Bruce and I preached the gospel. 90 children and teachers responded, and we prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. One hour later, car had cooled, topped up the water, and off we went still driving to the basin now. How amazing is that? God turned it for the good to minister to these people in the middle of nowhere. Also confirmed we are on the right track and within his will as he is working with us. What do you do when weaknesses strike? Frustrations hit within and without. Does it encourage timidity? Or do you say, no, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith? We've got two people wanting to come in. I said no last week, so I'm going to say yes this week. Ben, have you had your hand up longer than Linda? Ben? Have we got a microphone? Sorry. <coughs> One minute, Ben, so people are here, people at home can hear too. Oh, no, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you. We need your advice. I'm okay. Thank you. Okay. Linda. Thanks. Wait, Linda, for, for fancy. I'm going to give my age away a bit here, but when I used to light the fire, often it would go out, and we used to use the fire guard and put a piece of newspaper in front of it to draw the fire up. And I think what Jesus is saying to me, when we draw closer to him, he draws closer to us, and he can bring us to flame just the same way as fanning into flame by drawing closer to him. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. So our weaknesses, what do they do? Do they 
dictate the situation that we back away? Or do we lean in to Jesus? Do we lean into the Holy Spirit or do we lean away with timidity? Because he hasn't given us a Holy Spirit who's timid. He's given us a Holy Spirit who is power, love, and self-discipline. So we have a choice. Martin had a choice. I mean, when you're frustrated, when, whether it's from the enemy or not the enemy, I mean, Paul, he had a buffeting demon, didn't he? And wherever he went, his car, if he had one, would break down a lot. But he didn't have one, did he? He had ships that wrecked. He got whipped, beaten, faced, uh, faced robberies, faced people of all sorts. And Martin, car broken down, whether it's the enemy or not, we have a choice. Do we allow them to influence us to throw water of timidity and back away onto the flame? Or do we say no? Holy Spirit, I want to do what you want me to do here. And in my weakness, may your power be made perfect. Your grace is sufficient for me. I know that now. Whatever the circumstances, there's a hundred children up there. I'm annoyed, I'm frustrated, I'm tired, I want to go home. We've been given the water. Let's see if the car will start. Holy Spirit. What do you want me to do? Actually, I want you to go up and speak to those children. And the teacher's going to gather them together and you're going to share the gospel and then I'm going to fill them with my Holy Spirit. Now, he's an evangelist. Not many of us are, but like I've said already, each one of us has been called to follow Jesus on a daily basis, being led by the Holy Spirit, the gift of God that is within you. Do we allow timidity to pour water on him? Quench him, like it says in the Bible? Or do we give him oxygen of obedience, yieldedness, and watch what Jesus' all-sufficient grace can do in our weakness?